0: Hello and welcome to the Yellow Soul podcast. This is your host, Juliet Marhofer-Duggar. And today I am honored to welcome my guest, author and freelance journalist, Ellie E. Hage. Ellie recently released his book titled What Kobe Left Behind, The Playbook from an Extraordinary Life. Ellie, welcome to Yellow Soul. Congratulations. Thank on you. Your book. You were born and raised in LA. Yep,
1: that's right? right. Yep. As you
0: developed a childhood passion for basketball and the Lakers. And you combine that with your years of freelance journalism and your interest in wellness and psychology. So I saw your congratulatory post about your book from Dr. Caroline Leaf on Instagram. And yeah. I was intrigued because Kobe Bryant over the years has inspired me to create intentional disciplines to become my best self. If we can inspire people to change, people will say, Oh, that was so motivating. But if they actually take the next step and implement it and do something about it, really just to, to be my best and stay at it. And I, I noticed in his life, he had that mentality of whatever it takes. And I I read that all throughout your book. So, uh, and we're going to get into it. So your book, this is the way I described it. It's revealing immersive, compelling, and enlightening. And when I emailed you, I said that this is a resource guide. I would encourage readers to take their time and camp out in the chapters because it's deep. You have some incredible content and it shares this on the back of your book, but your writing truly does, I feel, transport the reader to the most revealing moments in Bryant's life. Can I actually read a paragraph from before we dive in? As you wish. As you wish. I, I love this. This is you speaking about your own experience. You said, after hearing heartbreaking words that you had reached the limit, you said, I couldn't hold it in anymore. You pulled over, you put your car in park and there on the side of the road, you started weeping Uh
1: Uh once you
0: learned about the death of Kobe Bryant. Yes. You said, I just had to let the tears flow. I didn't understand it, but it didn't matter. His death had an impact that I had to accept and embrace. Somehow, some way, my brother was right. This celebrity was worth the sorrow. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to set that up for our conversation. Sure. Because, sure. And, it, and it lends itself to the last sentence on the back cover your, of your book. And this captured my attention. And it says, get the keys to unlock your potential and become an MVP in your world. So you've been a freelance journalist for years, right?
2: Yeah, that's been one of my roles. I've been, I've worn many hats. So on the side, it's been freelance journalism. My, my background is more on engineering and software and program management. And so that's what pays the bills. But I do have a love for writing a love for telling stories. And that's really what's in one of the things that inspired me to be like, Hey, if I'm going to write something, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend my time and devote a huge chunk of my life to write something, it better be important. And this really came to that level.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's to say that it's compelling. You know, I I have a bedtime. Yes. And- and I I passed my bedtime because I couldn't put your book down.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I appreciate that.
0: It was so good. Is this your first published book?
2: Yeah. Uh, technically, yes. I've dabbled in uh, publishing in the past, and this is technically it's self published. You know, through Amazon, which is really a great resource for any writer. Right. Uh, and so I had I had written a book before that was really kind of just like a uh, experiment but not something that I was really trying to get traction on that I did publish some years ago. So mm. this, so this is, so we don't really count that, but so this is really the first book that I've really put my heart and soul into in in terms of doing tons of research and, and like just, just grinding out every ounce of energy I had to, uh, to make it perfect. And uh yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really blessed to have the opportunity and, and to share it with the
1: world.
0: Yeah. It's well, and that was my question is if this was your first book, which it sounds like as the, author that you're considering this this year you had an experiment you had a guinea pig yes. this is yeah. this was the the pre to that so why did you decide this this was the book that you wanted to write but it's also the book that you wanted to serve to the world
2: well I think that uh it's one of those things that you don't it kind of it just grew on me as I kind of as I described at some level in the introduction that you know I was a huge Kobe fan growing up and huge Laker fan. And uh, when he died, as I absorbed the the global impact of his passing, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, while I admired him as an athlete, he was much more than just an athlete and he touched people from almost every walk of life. And, uh, you know, and so I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is not just somebody, it's not just a celebrity dying. This is a, a truly transformational figure in our society who must have developed some special skills to do what he did to not mm. only be so successful in basketball, but to uh, really impact the world in such a profound way where you have people who don't even watch basketball, you know, tearing up at the thought of his loss and all, and all the stories that started to come out, of uh, the people's lives that he's touched just made me realize, okay, th- it, this is worth us a book. And the books I had um, I've been aware of and read related to Cody Bryant, really didn't really touch on it from this perspective. They were more just kind of like a, a very stale biographies, chronologies of his life. and But they didn't really get into the deeper level of how, like what, what techniques, what habits did he develop to become legendary? And, and how are those habits relevant to the rest of us who don't play basketball li- for a living? And I was just fascinated about how many of those strategies we can use on a daily basis. And so that's one part of it. And the other part was understanding all these fascinating stories that most people, even Laker fans or Kobe fans, don't even know about and how these stories can elevate and illuminate those habits that we can all use. I'm like, wow, this is this is something that uh, we can all benefit from, and something that I know I'm going to enjoy doing. Not only because I'm a Laker fan, but also because I'm a fan of personal improvement. And uh, you know, I love a good story. So, so you know, so I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be my new my new project. And uh, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that. Do you have a favorite chapter in your book?
2: Uh, You know, it's I would say the chapter I don't know. uh, Okay, the chapter called Snake Charmer is probably Mm -hmm.
0: my
1: favorite
2: because of how revealing it is. I mean, the research I did to 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 develop that chapter, like again, help, helped me discover so many things I didn't even know about Kobe. Even being like Absolutely. such a fan when he was playing, I'm like, wow, he did this. This happened to him. He recovered like this. And then somehow I found a way to craft it into a narrative that's really engaging and and, uh, you know, just uh, fun to read and it was and, uh, fun to write as well. And, uh, you know, yeah. so um, and just like the, and that, that chapter is really focused on, okay, what is this whole Black Mamba or Mamba mentality? The thing that people, you know, his so-called so, so nickname and kind of like how do you unpack that and what does that actually mean for the average person and then you know i just enjoy taking people on the journey of how did that even come to be as a thing in his life and the ups and downs that he went through in his life that that made that happen and that can show us a way forward through our own struggles
0: yeah i mean i ellie i I, i'm amazed that you weren't his best friend (laughs) i mean as i'm reading your your work it's phenomenal because it's when i when i said earlier that your work is immersive you Uh really Do invite the reader into his life Hmm. and you crafted that narrative so well uh that it you we are we're with you and Hmm. and we're with him and it's it's very moving and it's very touching i mean if someone goes to the back of the book not the end of the story Mm -hmm. don't do that. (laughs) But the back of the book and sees your references and your glossary and the time that you took to incorporate those essential pieces and the research that you did. And I I thought to myself, he's a journalist at heart. I felt like, man, this guy didn't leave any anything out. So definitely,
2: it's like a treasure hunt. Well, journalism, and yeah. the writing this book, writing this book as well, is like a treasure hunt because you're just like, yeah, you got to dig through a lot of stuff, but you find so many gems. Uh, yeah. If you and, and and so many gems that most people wouldn't even look for, and that almost feel like they're things that you discovered from Kobe yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's but. Since he's such a public figure, there's been so much been written about him. It's just you have to you have to be willing and desirous to do the work to go find those find those secret not those secret learnings and those those like yeah. hidden stories and then yeah. bring it up to a level where everybody can appreciate them.
0: Mm. So this is this is what I love uh, as as a fellow author and that I appreciate about your work in this book is that when you when you said the subtitle the playbook from an extraordinary life is that what you've done for the reader is invite them in to take their time. And like you said, I, I I love that it's a treasure hunt because you didn't just put this checklist. Okay, this is what he did. You You go through, it's immersive because you're taking your time understanding and learning and that it's such a miss when we just feel like we're handing someone hey this is the secret sauce you know this is oh. the this is the get rich quick this is the strategy yeah. we want that fast food right now, we know that he was very methodical and yes. this man throughout your work that the word that continued to come to me is intention he led a intentional life and what i also Uh, value in your work about his life is that you you brought in the hard pieces you brought in the misses and the hard things and uh what he missed with you know his family and also bringing in his his childhood yeah and his beginning that pathway with his father and the way you're able to to weave together his story and all the pieces it's it is um it's amazing friend so good
1: Thank you. Yeah, Thank it's you. so
0: good. And I did feel your heart and soul in each chapter. Will you bring us a little bit into, you know, into your process? What were you actually experiencing as you wrote the words about Bryant's life and strategies? Because in the introduction, you know, it's very moving when you're sharing, pulling over on the side of the road, the conversation sure. with your brother. And it's almost like you were holding it together and then it just hits you. It's like reality set in. Yeah. Is you know you were going through your sources like hey what oh wait the the news channel oh, okay this is saying yes this, this yeah. okay surely this isn't real is this real is Kobe Bryant did this actually happen and then yes. of course you know we learned that his his precious daughter was aboard the plane right. I think for America as a whole it was oh the layers the layers that that oh, absolutely absolutely
1: in. absolutely so what
0: were you experiencing as a as a writer. In in writing and in gathering these pieces of information, uh, what were you feeling? Because I know you even said you put your heart and soul into this. So what was that oh, like?
2: It Really, I mean, um, it's just I don't know. Just call it labor love. I just felt like yeah, it was just something that yeah. Obviously, in the in the beginning, you know, I would say for me. The other thing for me is like you know I'm not I wouldn't say I when it comes to like you know the like crying is not emotion that comes to me easily and Mm. so and so for me it was like the beginning or you know coming to terms with his death was just it was it was a labored process despite how much i admired him as a, as an athlete and and so but yeah at some point it was like the the flood of emotions that were it was almost like a uh, how you can say uh that the atmosphere was just a flood of emotions that you know you couldn't you can't hold you can't hold it back anymore so so yeah. and then it's like okay now i have to see everything differently um and then and then going into writing the book it's just um it's it's part you know part of it is me enjoying or part of it is me like hey understanding oh you know now now that he's died and everybody's really thinking about him this is a perfect time to write to like tell his story but at the same time it's perfect. it's also opportunity for me to understand his story myself at a deeper level and also understand what what can i use from his story for my own benefit so you know because the the skills the techniques that he's learned I, some of them I had not even been aware of until I started doing the research for this book, and I'm like, oh wow, he was a huge fan of meditation. I had no idea, and you know, yeah. I never thought meditation was anything serious. Let me start doing that. That's so why I started getting meditation. I started seeing the the benefits from that. Or you when know. it comes, or, or when it comes to empathy, you know, how the you know the whole the whole perspective of empathy is not just for marriage, you know, not just for marriage counseling sessions is actually for you know alpha male pro athlete environments. You can actually use empathy to to be a, a better leader. And you know, and I'm like, okay, how can I do that better in my own life with at work or with my wife or w- with whatever. And so it's almost like as I'm writing this book, I'm also kind of growing as a person as well. It's, it's yes, yeah.
0: Crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. That's incredible. You were on your own own journey and that's really I was what, on my own journey. I was, I was my own yeah. Journey. That's really what I was after too is because when you give the description in the introduction that you were weeping, then you immerse yourself into the process. And and you begin this journey. I, I thought, I got to know for Ellie, like, what was he experiencing as he's gathering, he's writing, because not only basketball, but this particular man had a, a significant impact on your life. In your book, you describe the basketball as Kobe's BFF. Yeah. And then you share an interview with Jimmy Kimmel, and Kobe is pondering how to convey the story. You quote uh, Kimmel's reply. That he says, so you you sleep with your basketball. You share that he was in love to the point of addiction, and he didn't care what anyone else thought about it. And then you also share that Magic Johnson recognized that Kobe had a bond with basketball so deep that it resembled a holy union. That it was his obsession with the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, I don't know what to say about it except that it's really the mark of someone who becomes legendary. What they do, it's because of the love. It's because of the passion, and that's another. Thing that I knew, I, you know, I had known he was a hard worker, and I had known that he had a, an extreme, incredible amount of focus, but I didn't did not know that he saw the game like it was more like it was a, almost like a his his lover, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, and then it made me realize. See, I I looked at it from the wrong perspective all these years. I you know, when I it's not only for myself, not only for Kobe, but for other great other people who have done great things. People see them and they're like, oh, they were they're talented and they're lucky. Or they're gifted, and that you know, uh, and that's what, or or you know, somebody else, somebody else, they wrote somebody else else's code strings to success and kind of discounting the amazing things that other people do
1: yeah
2: and you know because it's like oh i don't want to do all, all that hard work you know yes. uh but the way that he he shifted my perspective when he said it's 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 hard work it didn't seem it wasn't hard work for him mm. it was like it was a passion for him so he never saw it as work and that's what he said about when he joined the mba he's like he saw everybody else in the mba you know treating it like it was hard work and that's why they were all lazy but for him it was he was so in love with it that putting in all the hours at the gym putting in all the hours in the weight room and all the practices was just like just being with the thing he loved so it it never felt like work to him, and it's almost kind of like me writing this book. I spent so many, so many hundreds of hours writing this book, and you know, uh outside of my regular job, and but because I really enjoy, I'm passionate about writing, and I'm passionate about the subject. It didn't feel like work to me. It just mm-hmm. felt like me, just like enjoying what I love. And so that was kind of his message to other people. It's like, hey, look, you know, yes, it's not always the case that you're going to find your passion and it's going to make you a tons of money, but look for a way to incorp to to keep that dream alive. Yes, and. And if you keep doing that, eventually, if you're if you're intentional about it, you will find a way to make it uh, make it worthwhile and, uh, you know, and and truly be fulfilled by that experience.
0: So good. If we nurture it and we feed something, it will grow.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: And as you were sharing, I was thinking we could say uh, Kobe Bryant, we may describe his life that, man, this guy eats, sleeps and breathes basketball, but. I would challenge someone and say, but right alongside that, didn't he eat, sleep and breathe discipline and intention? And he did the work. And like you said, that he found what he loved and, you know, say that he never worked a day in his life. That that obsession for him, I felt like quickly became my own, my own obsession. But the stories you share are riveting and what drove him to win but then later you share in other chapters one titled mind games and then another one titled the enemy within you share in mind games and this was fascinating to me that in your chapter mind games phil jackson carried a practice of meditation that he learned while he was with the new york knicks from mindfulness expert i believe it was george mumford is that correct? correct
2: correct correct yeah
0: but it incorporates breathing And like you said, that there was more to this man behind the ball than just simply hitting the gym and doing this rigorous training that you began to to learn that Kobe grew as a human being through the process of becoming obsessed with basketball. His obsession did evolve into learning what it took to win the war within. Absolutely. The Enemy Within, you stated Kobe used his scars to tell his story. Yes, Um, yes. You share in that chapter how Dr. Caroline Leaf helps us to understand and explore reconceptualization. Yes. Uh, Will you share about that? Because I I feel like so many people are more familiar with compartmentalization. If tragedy and trauma enters our story, we learn how to, to reframe and compartmentalization. It's a coping mechanism and a skill. What? And it works short term, but long term, it, you know, it can cause damaging effects for us. Take us into the reconceptualization that Dr. Caroline Leaf shares with us in your book.
2: Well, well, I'll say, yeah, I mean, this is, as you may know, you know, her, uh, the this mind management technique that, sh- that she's uh, really invented, it. it's called NeuroCycle. And the concept of recall and civilization is at the core of it. And it's it's basically looking at something from a different perspective mm-hmm. and with the goal of finding a perspective that allows you to really process that thing more effectively, you know, to help you instead of hurting you. And so, and it, you know, and I think that's a great point that you made about comparing it to compartmentalization where you're really taking whatever that thing is or that, imp- that experience or impact and you're kind of trying to separate it or put it in a box in your life while you focus on other stuff and but but as you say you know that has consequence that has negative consequences because yes. it can fester it, it's it's going to still remain there and it's going to decay and fester and and while re- remaining unresolved cause it eventually bleed into the rest of your life in an unmanaged way
1: yes. and
2: cause damage in other areas so it's it's not sustainable what kobe discovered and what. Dr. Leaf has also explained is that you could take that same thing, that same thing that maybe had a negative impact that you wanted to put in a box and instead use the energy of the impact to, uh, you know, for, for good instead of for bad, you know, and this is one of the things that could be said is that what the things that he told told his teammates is like, Hey, you know, we try to, um, you know, we tell ourselves, don't think about this, don't think about that. But by doing that, we end up thinking about those things. So instead I, I, instead of, avoiding those emotions i embrace them Mm -hmm. and it's like hey you know whatever you know whatever's happened in your past think of a way that you can use that thing to drive your future one way is one of the things that he was became an expert at which i discuss in the chapter eating in the fire is taking the hate and the attacks and the put downs from other people and using them as fuel for your success whether you're saying hey you know what you're gonna say i'm no good well, guess what? That's gonna motivate me to prove you wrong. That that's a one way. That's one easy way of um, of reconceptualization. Or you know, but there are many other ways. You know, if something bad if something bad happens to a family member, we can agonize over that thing, or we could say, hey, what I'm gonna do tomorrow? I'm gonna put all my energy into as a tribute to that person. There's there's many ways that we can take the negative things that happened in our lives and and convert them into positive energy if we're intentional about trying to do that. And again that goes back to the neurocycle and the, the five steps that Dr. Lee presents is like hey, write down what you're feeling, write down what you're thinking and and through this process of journaling and unpacking your thoughts, you can refocus on what's happened and see hey, I can see this as a positive or instead of a negative and and really uh take control of my my past and use it, you know, use, use it to, um to propel me forward. So it's, it's, it's very powerful once you, once you understand it. Oh,
0: no, absolutely. I agree with you. It is so powerful. And the mama mentality, I would look at Brian's life, how, it, how you have, have invited us into really, I feel like behind the scenes of his, of his life, because some would see him just on the court, but you have said, Hey, sure. come back here and let's look at, instead of just looking at the highlight reel." Let's look at how this man lived his life to overcome. And I remember in one of your chapters, and I'm, for the listener, I'm completely paraphrasing, but, you know, you describe him sharing people will be distracted and they're off doing other things and he's doing the work and he's at it, which means he's already won
2: exactly exactly yes
0: i actually in your in your book because i was like that's it this is a resource guide i'm 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 going to mark it up highlight it underline it and i remember actually writing out the word
1: whoa <laughs> i love it love it
0: that's, you know so transformative i just had this moment and i just i sat in that i really invite our listeners when you buy this book is to really sit in it because if we can learn to sit with our own soul. And like Dr. Leaf is talking about, I am a huge proponent of journaling, you know, mm-hmm. coaching for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. You know, a life coach, but I call it soul care coaching. I invite my clients and my readers sit with your own soul, I believe it's, it is one of the hardest things for a human being to do, because as we just touched on, we move from compartmentalization to then doing what Dr. Leaf, her work of reconceptualization of beginning to say, just how you described that was beautiful. If we don't deal with it, it will bleed into other areas of our lives. We have convinced ourselves that we are living consciously, but it's our subconscious that I say that's not only running, but ruining our lives. Right. Because we have to say at some point, I got to deal with this. And that's what you share with us in your book throughout the chapters is, you know, we, we often say how, because we don't, we don't want to know why we got there. But if we begin to take that, And it's not a, you know, if I can say a pity party of saying, why did this happen to me? Is that an actual question? Or are you just feeling sorry for yourself? If we could say, why am I here again? Yes. Why am I in this situation again? How can I, I love what Dr. Lee says, how can I clean up my mental mess? Right. And the mindfulness and the strategies is that there are some things that actually work. There are some things that, that do work if we will be intentional, uh, and and do the work. Can I share something that you you actually have in your book, how how she explains multiple perspective analysis in a nutshell? Yes. Can yes. I share
2: yeah. That? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, no, go so for
0: it. After someone has had an emotional experience and its intensity has dissipated, there is still energy associated with that experience that can do good or harm to them depending on how they perceive the experience. If they try to think about the experience from a different perspective, like the viewpoint of a third party, they can change the emotional energy associated with that experience so that it can drive them in the right direction instead of the wrong one. Would you say that this is how you saw Kobe's life evolve, his mentality, his mindset? Would you, uh, as immersing yourself in his journey and his story, did you see that process for him?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there was, there was the kind of concept of, uh, reconceptualization that he always had in terms of when people try and knock me down, I'll see that as a stepping stone. Mm. Uh, and then there was the type that he discovered later in which I described in the enemy and within where it's like, okay, let me under, let me learn how do I connect better with my teammates and understand that it's, that it's not all about me. That I need to incorporate them in a more meaningful way, and yeah. really look, look at them. And uh, I think I say instead of looking at them as as uh, obstacles on my path to greatness, look at them as as allies in my you know, in uh you know this uh, fantastic journey. Uh, and so so him being able to do that, and then recognizing empathy can be the core of that that uh transition was really powerful for him to be able to revitalize his career in the second half of his his uh, his time in the NBA and take players that really had that that people had forgotten and turn them into heroes um yeah. by kind of ca- kind of imbuing them with the same DNA that he had and mm-hmm. like, you know and part of it goes back to taking responsibility as you said you know, people oftentimes will blame other, you know, and, and not to say you know, a lot of terrible things have happened to, to all of us at, at some level, and many have really had the the rough lot of life. It goes back to like, okay, how do you respond to that rough lot? For him, whatever had happened to him, he started out blaming others. And mm-hmm. when he realized that it's more effective to take responsibility and yeah. to see how you can help others, that's what unlocked the, the greatness inside of him, you know, the the greatness that went beyond just putting the basket, the ball in the basket. And that's really what what made him be, become such a, such a um, really beloved figure.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. Have that on the back of your book about becoming your own MVP. That is at the core of that. I do believe is taking responsibility and we see the pivot. That's what I'm hearing you say too. We can see this, this pivot in Bryant's life, of this growth and the mindset, you realize that, oh, it's not, it's not all about me, that it's not only that it's, it is about your team and the people in the village around you, but how much greater influence and reach do you have when you come from a place of empathy and humility, yeah. because then it's, it's that, uh, the saying, People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care.
2: That's an, that's a, that's, I like that. I like that
0: because we can communicate, but if our actions don't line up with our words, we get lost, you know, it just, it it gets lost. And uh, we forget through the process of, of us keeping tabs on the injustice, in our lives, that if we will shift from blaming uh, and reframe it from blaming to identifying and be able to say, okay, I'm not going to own your poor choices. If we can look at that as reconceptualization, uh, Erwin McManus has, has, I've heard him say something like this before, we're not responsible for the choices of others, but we can take responsibility for how we want our future to look.
2: I like that. I like that.
0: How do we want our future to look? And at some point, Bryant went from uh, a me to a we mentality, yeah. and his world shifted.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not about. And I think the challenge a lot of people have is this is what we're not talking about. Like giving up what you want in life, putting yourself at the back of the line. We're not even really talking about that. And you know, and we're not talking about sacrificing your dreams so that somebody else's dreams can be successful. Can can take life. We're talking about how do you harness the power of everyone around you mm. to make your dreams possible.
1: Yeah. And that's
2: what he realized. He realized that by so-called putting his teammates first, it actually made him better. Mm. And so then it was like, oh wow. Now I you know you mean you mean I don't have to do it all by myself? Mm. Oh, that's awesome. This is this is even better than what I was doing before because I'm now I'm as successful as I was. And my success is now reflected in everybody around me. So it's really, it's really when people realize this is actually like empowers them. Yeah. I think then they realize, oh, hey, I should have been doing this the whole time.
0: Yeah. So good. It is unleashing your greatness. And I think about this when we can unleash our greatness. And if we will, if we will deal, if we don't deal with the pain, it's, it's going to deal with us. (laughs) it's going to come oh, out good. right in ways that you know we live a reactionary life instead of being responsive and having those nurtured relationships around us. That greatness comes out of us and as you're describing the the dream that we're living out, we empower others to live out theirs. We're inspiring them to be able to say how, how many others can I influence if I will dig deep and if I will practice strategies and mindfulness and be intentional uh, in the discipline? I appreciate in your book how clear you made it to the reader. There was nothing easy about Kobe's success, privately or professionally.
1: Sure, yeah. You,
0: know, you, you convey that so, so clear in your book. For you, Have yeah, you practiced so Kobe's strategies in your own life and what rhythms has that created for you?
2: We can go back to the meditation concept, which I touched on. Um, yes. But out there, because, you know, before I started writing this book, I had thought of meditation as a very kind of, you know, esoteric and, you know, kind of like a, a joke, you know, like how, how, how does anybody like clear their mind? That doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I was, I kind of just like dismissed it. But then when I, when I started writing the book and doing the research and discovering how serious he was about meditation, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. if Kobe's doing this and these are the results and I've started doing it too you know and it goes back to like I knew watching him and re- and like learning about him over the many years his focus was legendary his, his people around the NBA would talk about it and for me honestly I kind of I kind of have a trust. I kind of struggle with focus to be honest yeah uh, easily distracted when I started doing the meditation I was blown away because just follow the instructions to sit there with my focus on my breath for 5-10 minutes Each morning, and I would discover that throughout the day, if I was in a meeting or whatever, I would be less likely to start drifting off and daydreaming.
1: Mm. It would
2: somehow I was more. It was easier for me to to remain focused on what the topic was at hand and to uh, and to avoid fidgeting or reaching for my phone or 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 you know being distracted by some other thoughts it so it was almost like i felt like the meditation was like i was exercising as i call it in the book actually like my mind muscle so yeah. it was stronger more capable of focusing on what, what was right in front of me of staying in the moment it was a, it was a revelation for me to, to to discover that you know just by doing what he was doing I'm already seeing benefits in my life. So that's one example. If we go back to the whole concept of the whole baby steps uh, uh chapter is like, okay, mm-hmm. even in writing this book, you know, I it I would not have been able to write this book unless I looked at every unless I if I just looked at the top of the mountain. If I if I saw at the beginning, when I first wrote this book that I was uh, that I was going to have to write 100,000 words or however many words and pages, I probably would have been like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That's a lot of work." <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but by by taking things and breaking them down into little pieces, mm. it's a lot easier to digest, and it made the process more enjoyable, and it made and it kind of like effortless because I'm not just agonizing over how long the journey is, but trying to enjoy the journey itself, and just really just following the the same same example he he led he led as well. Um, yeah. and, and another thing is like again the whole humility side of things, and you know I don't want to touch on the aspect of. You know, there's still a lot of, you know, he's still, regardless of what happens, he's still a controversial character over the, over the sexual assault charges. And most people don't know all the details surrounding that and, and the humility with which he responded to all of that. I mean, even, I didn't even know how much humility he had until I started doing the research. I'm like, wow, he was, I mean, he did a lot more to try and show remorse and make amends for what happened than, you know, even, you know. Uh, that I could have I- imagined. And so it's like, okay, maybe if somebody's accused you falsely or not, the maybe the best thing isn't to just put on the armor and and yell from the mountaintops to kind of look inside and say, hey, me, maybe I should show humility, regardless of what happens. Showing yeah. humility is a better pathway than what most people take. And what our role models take in society. Mm-hmm. And by by saying I'm sorry, even if we didn't hurt somebody, by even just acknowledging their pain, yes. it can be it can be more powerful than 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 declaring that you had nothing to do with it. I so I think that, and so that's something I'm trying to continue to adopt in my life. Is like when I have when I get an arguing with, with my wife, for example, was like, okay, well, you know, I still feel like I'm right. I still feel
0: like I'm right, <laughs> but you know what, I'll apologize.
2: Uh, I, think I think it's gonna be better that way. Do I
0: want to sleep in my own bed tonight? And do I (laughs) (laughs) I want some peace in the house? Right. (laughs)
2: Yeah. 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 It's just laying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like laying down your sword is is probably the best thing we could often do when it comes to interactions with the people around us.
0: So good. And forgiveness isn't pretending that it hasn't or didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Forgiveness is our pathway to freedom and to real connection when we have authentic humility you know it's not false humility but we know that it comes from i describe it just that that guttural place Um, and we are sincere with our humility and our actions and what we've done Mm -hmm. we have no control over how the other side is going to respond but again it goes back to taking responsibility yeah. Being able to make peace with the pieces and and be someone who extends reconciliation. First stop is the vertical. For me, I'm a I'm a person of faith. And so absolutely, it's absolutely that stop of that's the most important thing is, is reconciling those pieces with my maker and who I believe in. And then horizontally, whoever is around me, then I truly believe you'll know the steps to take. Sometimes we can we can jump into that and it can be premature because it may may not be the right time because your heart isn't right yet. So if we're willing to take those steps, and like you said, it's not always about right or wrong. It's what yeah. is it cost me? Yeah. And as a husband, you probably have that list. <laughs> you probably know. I I know some of the cost already. Hmm. Okay. Oh. What, you know what's the outcome what is this going to look like I
2: mean at the end of the day it's like okay should I fight a battle over something that I don't really care about um no
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: you know yeah, just also you you know, that that's one example and, and it's like okay well the, let, let it be the way that the other person wants to be but it's also about hey recognizing that whatever you've done you could probably have done it better mm-hmm. you could probably have done it better
1: yes
2: even, you know even yeah. if you've even whatever you've done, you could probably have done it better. And even, and I just acknowledging that part can go a long way in negotiations, whether it's in business, whether it's personal, whether it's family, whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We negotiate every day. Yeah. The first person is ourselves. We can negotiate there and we can make that the first, the first place that we go to, to take responsibility and to be a student you know, be a student in life, man, that humility tells us, hey, there's always something to learn, always something to learn.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: what brings you joy?
2: There's most, many things that bring me joy. I would <laughs> say you know, playing with my playing with my little baby daughter. I mean, that's obviously super joyful. How, how cute she is at two weeks right. old, the cute noises she makes and how she stares right now. So <laughs> my understanding that are that baby's colorblind. So she's always staring at our ceiling fans, because the ceiling fan is black and then the the wall the ceiling is white so it's like a strong contrast so she's always staring up the ceiling fans (laughs) like it's like it's some great some great creator or something it's just so funny it's the cutest thing but um, so yeah uh just playing with Daphne is such a joy uh my side hobbies which I haven't really done a lot of recently are are sailing uh and snowboarding so I'm really big fans of both of those those hobbies so I love that I love those um and I've done adventures around the world with with friends on in boats and in snow it's 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 just a truly passion for me Uh, you know this is this is one of them too it's uh, the writing side is not something that i've consistently done but really with this book it's just my passion's really gone to a whole new level and Mm -hmm. and it's just a joy the joy for me is to hear other people say hey look i really i really found i really appreciated your book or or, you know i really enjoy what you had to say and uh I found something valuable in it, so I think that's a joy for me right now. It's conversations like this where you're like, "Hey, I really, I really like what you said that this, this, and this." I'm like, "Okay, well, that makes so yeah." I I could be a best-selling author. What's more important is touching people's lives, you know. And it goes again goes back to the whole, you know, Kobe's mentality and what he did to touch people's lives in so many ways that were just quite fascinating and really reveal how he, and in, in how I say in the book, how he kind of did become immortal through that.
0: Mm, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Your, your, um, your last chapter is also City of Angels. It's man, it's so moving um, how you, you wrap up the content and the journey, the pilgrimage really that you've taken us on in your book in Brian's life. Ellie, it's truly phenomenal. What would you say that from your heart to the listener and to the reader, you convey that you would say, man, I I really hope that when someone walks away from reading this book, what do you want them to walk away with?
2: I want them to walk away with the understanding of how Kobe Bryant's story of his life Mm -hmm. can be a guide for us to reach greater heights in our own life. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much
0: it. What else do you need, right? Yeah. Yeah, to read your book. And to have this this legacy laid out for us, and to get that behind the scenes look and the moving parts and pieces in Kobe's life, how you've shared parts of your own story within it for that person to be inspired to transform their lives. I know you're going to touch more than one person, but we always say, man, if it just reaches that one, oh sure, there's it's going to reach a lot more than one. But when I think about how you describe becoming an MVP in your own world unlocking your potential. Yes. And enjoying the journey along the way.
2: Yes, yes, indeed.
0: The mindfulness and the mindset and renewing our minds and, you know, just different modalities and practices. And like you said, meditation became a rhythm in your life. Like like you said, it was just this like revelation. Hey, this actually works for me. It's so amazing to think that you were you know, in the middle of your work day and you noticed the difference, you noticed your focus and your intention where you were able to execute a project better or be more intentional in your relationships or be yeah, more absolutely. in conversation. Just to know that your practices are carrying over and that it's and that it's really making a difference. So
2: yeah, it's like this book was as much as it was for other people to read it was almost for myself as well i mean i i almost kind of go use it as my own reference material in in terms of how to how to better person just because there's so much that i discovered that i feel like uh, is is so applicable to my life and on the emotion side of things Mm. you there's also the aspect of, you know, how we embrace those emotions it doesn't mean that they no longer exist, but it mm-hmm. means that they're, they're additive to our lives instead of taken away from our lives. So even the whole aspect of me kind of embracing the emotion that, you know, of the sorrow of his death, or, yes. you, know, you know, if we embrace an emotion of, oh, you know, I was angry about this thing that happened to me, or I was disappointed because I, you know, or, or that I lost whatever is like, th- those are all just reflections of, or just signs of being alive. And and another thing for me is like, huh, I'm just thinking about this right now, like a stream of consciousness. You know how something might happen or we might something might happen to a family member or a friend or a demon to ourselves. And we're super upset about it. Like where something embarrassing happens or, you know, and then years later, we're laughing about it. Yeah. You know it well, it's almost like, well, what if we could laugh about that? the next day instead of have mm. to wait till you know
0: that's pure power friend that's good no? yeah that's so good
2: so and it's like wow well this is like some like the, the you know reconceptualization and the and embracing your emotion all that that's part of that process it's like how do you process what happens to you faster so that you can now it's instead of it being a terror it's now whatever your emotion you want to put to it you can put to it you know
0: yeah that's just it we have one life to live we're yeah we are so hard on ourselves. I was visiting with a friend yesterday and I was just like, you're so hard on yourself. And they're like, no, I'm not. And I was like, see, (laughs) case in point right here, just embracing our humanness, going back to what we have said a few times, enjoying the journey and really breaking that down and being able to say, embracing our humanness is an excuse to continue to do things that are damaging to ourselves and to others, but it's being able to acknowledge it and then actually do something with it and about it. it. Instead of just sitting in it, you know, the desired goal is that you sit in it and then you go, what am I going to do with it? What do I yeah. do with it now? Like yeah. you said, am I going to reframe it, turn it around? Can I laugh about it today? Can I cry about it today and laugh about it tomorrow? Maybe. It's possible. It carries the potential it, to be beautiful. Well, like
2: people being too hard on themselves. It's like, okay, yeah. So reframe little things then we can graduate to reframing big things so mm-hmm. if it's like oh you know just still i just knocked over that glass and it just smashed on the floor yeah oh uh, well uh uh you know you'd be like oh i'm so i'm so clumsy i hate myself get it up and move on you know uh mm, yeah can take little things like that and then transition to bigger things in terms of hey how do we see this in a different way and yeah not not that we're just going to pretend like it's not important that you know we can still try and learn from it but also not see it as something that's holding us back but see it as just life
0: yes i love that that's it's that's so deep and rich because we realize as we go through life that the little things really are the big things and the little things we're we're creating oftentimes a new root system uprooting the old and bringing in the new and making room for the new and being able to let it breathe you know let it breathe and and recreate that foundation and going back to us talking about that pivot and that shift and and the journaling it that's what's so fascinating about the process of you know inking out your feelings and your thoughts and your growth is because you can have those times of reflection to look back and and see see the view of how far you've grown and and where you've come from so thank you for investing your time and your energy for us today and thank you for writing this Incredible, fascinating, immersive resource for us. And so I learned that you have an email list that uh, our listeners and your readers can join to learn more insight about Kobe's life.
2: Well, to go to uh, leeh.com. So that's e l i i h e j.com. That's where I've started a blog that I'm, and uh, kind of giving snippets from my research. Because as much as I put in the book, there's way more that about Kobe Bryant's that is worth people knowing. Like, for example, today, I don't know if you you saw um, Novak Djokovic. He just won the U.S. Open.
1: I did and, not.
2: Yeah, so he just won the U.S. Open, and it was his twenty fourth major victory.
0: Incredible. And
2: so he, at the end when he won, he um, he put on a t shirt that had a picture of him and Kobe Bryant on it, because apparently they had a good relationship. So he, put, uh, and so he, and so he gave a speech at the after he won. He told the audience that basically, you know. Kobe was such an inspiration to him and gave him so much guidance and support when he was struggling with injury mm. and he wanted to, and so he still decided to make these t-shirts as a tribute to him and being that this is his 24th major win and it's, you know, as a tribute to Kobe's jersey number.
0: Yes.
2: wanted to do that. So, so and this is a guy who's a totally different sport, um, right. but somehow, somehow developed uh, you know, Kobe's mentorship with him helped him become, become even greater than he already was. So And so that's just one of many, many stories that I'm like, I haven't even, I couldn't even fit it in this book and I will love, and I'm going to be sharing more of those on my website.
0: I love that, Ellie. That's incredible. And that's just it. You know, the legacy and his, his story and his life crossed so many boundary lines and just touched so many people. And like you said, he's not even in the same sport paying tribute, his legacy and, and his relationship that he had with him, not with us physically anymore. And yet you yes. his legacy living on. And I love that too, because it, I, again, it, it invites us into uh, just his, his essence and who he really was. Uh, it is in his core as a human being. So thank you so much. And tell us where everyone can get your book. You said it's self-published. It's on yes, Amazon.
2: Yes. Amazon.com to search for what Kobe left behind.
0: Are you going to give us an audible version at some point?
2: Yes, I will. I will. You know, that's, that, yeah, yeah. I'd love to do that. And it will happen soon. I, well, I would say it would happen soon, but I have to talk to my daughter first and see if she gives me permission. Uh, <laughs> but she, I don't know she, she, she wants to be the most audible person in the family right now. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Looking forward to do it. I, it's just a matter of kind of like carving out the time to do that. Uh, you yeah,
1: know, not, if Daphne lets you do it, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a challenge. Oh.
0: Well, I thank you again for your sharing your personal life and your story, and bringing us into the story of resilience of Kobe Bryant and also your own of places yep. that you've walked through and how this has changed your life and how it can can influence and change our own. Is there anything you'd like to add for our listeners before we uh, go?
2: Just like just that, I feel like you know, in kind of getting to getting to know you, are coming from and your background and own experiences, I am really thankful that we got to connect because I, because like you said, I feel like there's a lot of lot of parallels, you know, in terms of how do we kind of become a life coach to ourselves. Yes. And how do we take the bad things that happen Like you said, mentioned the scars, how we turn the scars into, you know, into something that's empowering. And so that's why I'm really I'm really glad that we made this connection and that you could share this with all the people that, that follow you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Well thank you again. And I am too. I'm so thankful that our paths crossed and connected and For our listeners, go to amazon.com and get What Kobe Left Behind, the playbook from an extraordinary life. And Ellie, I pray that you have incredible success with your book. And to our listeners, thank you for being with us today. We hope that you gain some peace and joy and clarity along the way. And so until next time, friends, cheers. Thank you, Ellie.
1: Bye-bye.